Welcome to the Partnership Podcast. One thing funeral directors understand better than almost anyone is supporting people through bereavement. For so many of you, the work only begins at the time of need and aftercare is equally important for supporting your families. Today, I'm talking to a funeral director who's been meeting with MPs about why bereavement awareness should be added onto the national curriculum. John Adams from Shropshire's Perry and Phillips explains why it's so vital and what he's been doing to push politicians in that direction. Now, I'm delighted to say that John is with me today. Morning, John. Good morning, Malcolm. How are you, sir? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having Excellent. me on your podcast. No, that's a pleasure. And I should also mention that uh, we've got the NAFD conference and AGM weekend coming up in Wales, and you're about to become the national president of NAFD as well. So you've got a busy year ahead of you, I guess. Yes, I have. Uh, but looking forward to the challenges and uh, learning more about the industry. So, yeah, it's going to be an exciting 12 months. Okay, fantastic. All right. Firstly, in, in terms of introducing yourself and your business to our listeners, I think it'd be quite helpful to understand where your business has come from. I know it's been around since 1835, and your own experience is quite varied too, including time in the Royal Navy. So could you give us a whistle-stop tour of all that history? Yes, certainly, Malcolm. So the company background, first of all, so Perry and Phillips, uh, as you mentioned, 1835 established. Wow. Um, I'm fifth generation, but it's my grandfather um, who purchased Perry and Phillips in the 60s. He purchased Perry and Phillips, which yep. was his then competitor. My grandfather and his father uh, was doing it from their family home in Worfield, which is probably yep. a 10 minute journey into the main town. So, and he was a carpenter. That was his primary role. Funerals wasn't his prime job. Uh, and obviously, as the industry has evolved, his job evolved. And my father came into it in the late 70s. He served in the forces as well. And then I came into it. I left school at the age of 16, had a year here, and then decided yeah. I was too young to be in a mortuary. Um, right. I, needed to, I needed to go and see the world. I just felt like I needed to get out of the town as well. And I planned to only do four years in the Royal Navy. Uh, right. And I ended up doing it eight years. Mm. I finished as an electronic warfare director. Right. Uh, and that was to do with anti-ship missile defence, reporting to the captain every day about any threats that we might face as a ship. So right. yeah, it's quite interesting, very different to what I'm doing yeah. now. <laughs> but, hey, and, and actually just a follow-up question there. To what extent did that time in the Royal Navy set you up or indeed help you in, in managing a small business? So I, I gained a lot from the Royal Navy, a lot more than I ever thought I would. Um, and I think it's just general life about people, about problems, mm -hmm. uh, issues, and how you communicate. Mm -hmm. um, my leadership course that I carried out, it was fascinating. And I learned to, so when to step forwards, when you need to step forwards. Also, yeah. when, to, when to, to keep quiet as well was quite important, which uh -huh. I think some people struggle with. So, yeah, I learned a lot about myself. I learned about my self-resilience. Yeah. Uh, and I learned about how to deal with pressure. Um, being sure. in a war zone, ha having a missile coming at us, um, which did happen on occasion, about keeping your cool and yeah. re relying on the training you've had to ensure that you're, you're safe and protected. Wow. So, no, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Understand all of that. Blimey. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, so turning to bereavement support, it's always been a fundamental part of what families need. And it feels like the funeral profession is more aware of it than ever. Is it fair to say people are recognising that it's more important than ever now? 
especially given how the pandemic shook up the grieving process for so many? Yeah, it's a great, great question. I think the answer to this, I don't think people, following what's happened over the last two, three years, I still don't think people see the importance of why we have a funeral service. And I think that's a responsibility we have as an industry to really highlight the importance of why we have a funeral. It's not just, we don't just have funerals to give ourselves jobs. It's done to provide a platform to allow people to move forward with their bereavement and grief. And that's yeah. the whole purpose of it. Give people the education, give people the yeah. information, and then it's up to them. But as long as the communication's clear and people know what they're getting, that's what I yeah, think yeah. is important. So, I mean, if if we put ourselves in your shoes in your business at Perry and Phillips around aftercare, and, and let's say that you, you've had, you know, three or four funerals that week, maybe more, what do you do as a business or as individuals to kind of support your families post the funeral? So there's two parts to this for what we do. So firstly, we have a bereavement counsellor who's part right. of the team here now. Um, yeah. And she will she provides free of charge counselling service for people. So she'll make okay. contact with every family to see how they're getting on. Yeah. And um, do you need any more support? Just a yeah. general catch-up conversation. Um, so that's a really good tool to have. And, yeah, it, and sure. it's really effective. The other part of this is... If you get the arrangements correct and the arrangements right and listen to people what they need mm-hmm. and they get everything they put everything into that funeral service that, that they need to that will set them up in a, in a strong position when they start the grieving process after the funeral yeah. it's when they leave the funeral service and they haven't done the things that they needed they needed to do that's when they can mm-hmm. actually be in a bad place yeah. so it's preparation again and that comes back to the national curriculum again taking responsibility and preparation even yeah. at a younger age, giving children tools, yeah. which will hopefully see them through the rest of their lives as well. Now, you've mentioned that a couple of times now, so let's dig into that a little bit. And we know you're engaging politically on this to get bereavement awareness onto the national curriculum. So why, why is that so important? Can you give any examples of how it's going to benefit people then? Well, firstly, I lost my mum at the age of 12. And there is... Right an element of isolation when you when you lose somebody yeah. um especially at a young age because mm-hmm. your peers if your friends in, the, in your class don't know how to talk to you and things haven't really improved um throughout schools and that's because i'm and i know that from feedback i'm getting from questionnaires i'm giving yeah. out to numerous schools mm-hmm. some schools are very proactive and have some yeah. brilliant processes in place mm-hmm. some schools still do nothing Right. So it's about providing a platform and, and a net over the whole education system to ensure that there is something in place across all schools, yeah. not just proactive schools where you have a good teacher that's really caring and knows how to communicate. And that will help the friends and the class understand what that person's going through, yeah. knowing some simple communication techniques, how to speak to that person, are you okay? It's okay to ask that question. Yeah. It will help the individual who's lost a loved one um, knowing that people do actually care and, pe- yeah. and people are want- wanting the best for you. It'll help the teachers who who sometimes are out their depth and are too yeah, busy yeah. to yeah. deal with it. Um, and they want to help, but they're not sure what to say. It will give them some signposting of where to go to for that support. And for, finally, which is, I think, as important, is from a society point of view. Yeah. It's having more of an understanding about what this actually means. Throughout the COVID pandemic, we were all getting home and your six o'clock news comes on, you see all these numbers on the screen. Yeah. It's about what each number represents and the families behind mm-hmm. each number. So mm-hmm. it's a bit more a bit more compassion and empathy. 
And does that mean you are helping with the content, do you think, in in terms of what will go into the national curriculum? Yeah, so what I proposed to the MPs, which they are supportive of, yeah. is that we have the same con- concept as sex education. So a third party will go in to have a talk to children at different ages and different right. age groups okay. about about death, about bereavement. Yeah. And it's yeah. not to discuss the type of coffin, it's to discuss about when someone passes away, yeah. what associated feelings might come with that. And the bottom line is that it's always going to be different. But to explore mm-hmm. these conversations and feelings um, and to really highlight what someone might be going through. Yeah, and I, I suppose, you know, those of us that have children know that they can react and respond in different ways. They can be very sensitive. And in some ways, they can deal with it if they've got a structure in a far better way than sometimes parents can. So I, yeah. I guess it's it's giving them the techniques, isn't it, as, as to how to handle it? Yeah, I think sometimes parents could be too close and we can try and protect our children too much. Yeah. Um, but the conversations that I've had, it's remarkable how children do respond. Mm-hmm. The amount of times I've gone to someone's house to arrange a funeral and I'll say, oh, is, you mentioned you got a daughter or a son. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're upstairs. They're, they're... So if I'm going to come down for the arrangement, so I promise you I won't say anything that's going to cause offence or yeah. deeply upset them. Yeah. Like, oh, they're a little bit cautious about it. Yeah. But then I'll get them down and I'll have a chat to them. And then yeah. within half an, you know, half an hour has gone by and they're really communicating. I and bet. I've seen it from the start to the end, that journey. Mm-hmm. And it's it's huge how it yeah. can help a, ch- a child. Yeah. For a child who's 10, 12, 14, for that child, their life really, they go to school and come home. But yeah. realistically, their parents or siblings are their life. So yes. why wouldn't we involve them? No, that's a very good point, John. Thank you. Okay, well, look, so how has progress been then? And I understand you've had some good engagement from some of the MPs you've spoken to so far. So um, in, in your eyes, is it frustrating or do you think you're starting to see the sort of end of the, the tunnel now? Well, if I explain what's happened so far. Please, yeah. Um, I wrote to the um, education secretary last year and I had a very slow response from them. Um, but the they actually put my local MP, Philip Dunn, who's been really supportive, and he came and had an hour and a half with me here. Yeah. We discussed it all in great depth, and he's very much behind it, and he's given it a case reference, and he's now discussing it in, in Parliament, um, which is great. And there's other MPs involved as well now. Uh, the NEFD are heavily involved now as well. And I'm I'm going to be, I've been invited to speak at the uh, House of Commons in July, I believe it is, to again discuss it to the APPG meeting right. uh, about why it needs to be incorporated into the national curriculum. Excellent. So so that means you're physically, you're actually going to have to go down to London and meet them all down there. That's correct. Yeah, and correct. presumably, is, is that a presentation or will, will it be a discussion where you kind of share your, your thinking and your views and the way forward? I'll try and do a bit of both, really, um, yeah. what, what we're doing today, and also to give more stats, such as children well, up to the age of 18, the, um, 80% of the population will have suffered a close loss in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. So about giving these sort of this, these information, these stats, uh, and yeah. the questionnaires I mentioned, they've been given out to all the schools, mm-hmm. it's provided in the actual data to, to prove what we're saying is correct. Wow. 
Okay, well, look, good luck with that. And we'll all look forward to hearing how you get on in, in July onwards. All right. Thanks, Maybe thanks, we'll do Malcolm. another podcast later in the year, all right, just to see how you got on with it. That'd be great, Malcolm. Yeah, thank yeah? you. Okay. Um, right. Improving bereavement awareness would be a welcome change at a time when it feels like a lot is happening all around us, both in the UK and the world. More broadly, how do you see the future of funeral directing from your own perspective? How optimistic are you about the future? Sorry, it's quite a big question. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a big question, but no, it's a good question. So I'm an optimistic person. I'm a very positive person. uh, But I think, as I said, right at the start of this talk, we have the responsibility now to give the information and educate the communities around us. And if we do that, it's going to be a very positive future for us all. And again, with this, it's about transparency. So with the CMA ruling last year, we need to we need to see that as an opportunity and a positive yeah. um, and to utilize that and really promote about what we're doing and show people i mean if someone wants to see our mortuary yeah i'll, I'll allow that to happen um mm-hmm. obviously we're covering up names but then no one yeah. will see any deceased but the point is it's about transparency yeah. uh we should really show people about there's something to be scared of and highlight the work we yeah. do and how it helps people excellent thank you now i've got a final question for you um, yep. Now, I know um, Joe Parker of Abbey Funerals has just taken on the presidency of SAFE Association. So um, I've got a similar question. I asked her a few weeks ago, how are you preparing your business and yourself to cope with that 12 months in terms of time away and all the extra things you're going to need to think about? It all comes down to time management. And I think the question you asked at the start about the Royal Navy, what did I gain yeah. from that? I did yeah. learn about time management, uh, and that's yeah. critical preparing and being aware where I'm going to be next week, being ahead of the game all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my wife's very supportive. Um, yeah. the, ch- the children are both young. And so, so yeah, I've got a good support network around me. So it's a case of d- giving it my all for 12 months and um, hopefully do some good. Fantastic. Well, look, best of luck for the next 12 months. And John, thank you ever so much for sharing with us the progress you've made Uh, in terms of getting this onto the national curriculum and best of luck, all right? We look forward to hearing how you get on with that. Thank you so much, Malcolm, for your time. Really appreciate being invited on. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Parkship Podcast. We'll keep an eye on John's progress and you can contact me if you have any questions or want to get involved. You can also contact me if you want to contribute or suggest anything for the podcast malcolm.flanders at goldencharter.co.uk and don't forget we'll also be at the nfe this year so do come along and say hello all of our previous episodes are available online at goldencharter.buzzsprout.com including interviews with bereavement professionals like dr bill webster and Catherine betley you can also find and subscribe to us on most podcast apps thanks again and i'll talk to you next time on the partnership podcast